Welcome to Get Divorced Without Getting Screwed, a podcast for men who are thinking about divorce in the middle of one now or are recovering from this horrible process. You will get advice from experts and hear inspirational stories of men just like you who have survived divorce. Now, let's get to work. Welcome back to the show. I'm John Nockinger, the men's divorce coach and mentor. You can join our free men's divorce support group at mensdivorcenetwork.com. Today, my guest is Warren Leith. He is the creator of Living Life Inspired, which is devoted to helping people live their best life, something we all want to do. More importantly, Warren was divorced after more than a 30-year marriage. Today, we're going to talk about divorce, its impact on your life, and how you can pick yourself back up and have an incredible next chapter in the book called Your Life. Thank you for being here today, Warren. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity and always looking to help others uh, move themselves forward in life. Well, great. And you've been through a lot, which we're going to dive into today. So you have a lot of life lessons to give to everybody. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it, it's been a journey. And I'll tell you, I'm going on, on three and a half years divorced. And it's really been those three and a half years that have transformed who I am. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm 62. So I really started rebuilding my life at 59. And one of the messages that I have for people is that you're never too old to start. Right. I mean, I talk to people that are in their forties and fifties and they're saying to me, it's too late to rebuild. And I'm here to tell you, it's absolutely never too late to rebuild. I could not agree with that more. One of the things I tell people all the time is, you know, and this is, everyone knows this deep down inside is you only live once. Right. And until you're no longer here, You've got to keep living your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to reinvent yourself and recreate yourself. And most importantly, you just have to be happy, right? And, and people lose that sense of what, what does that mean to be happy? And it really starts within you. Uh, you know, one of the things that I realized in my journey as, as I've been kind of rebuilding myself is that people feel your aura. I mean, you know, they really do feel how you're feeling. And so when you are really within yourself and, and you're really in that bad state, you resonate that with people. People feel that you are not who you should be. And then when it all changes and now you're happy and you're living the life that you want to live, you you attract a whole different group of people at the same time because there are people that when when you're when you're within yourself, there are people that just don't want to be with you because you you have that, you know, that sense about you. But yet when you change and now you're happy and you're enthusiastic and you want to help others, that's when the attraction happens. And that's when you bring a lot of people into your life and that's when you really can help people. So there's, there's a lot to being happy. Yeah. I mean, it's that whole adage. When you change, you force the people around you to change. You really do. And yeah. if they don't, then they're no longer in your life. It's, exactly. You know, that's exactly. really it's simple. Yeah. Well, so Warren, as I said in the intro, you were married for over 30 years. And since we use the past tense, we know you're no longer married. So, <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how many years ago you got divorced and um, what led you to have to go down that road? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I was with my former for 35 years. We were married for 31. Uh, and as I mentioned, divorced about three and a half years now. We were, we started off obviously, you know, in a good place, very happy. Um, I have two great kids. Um, they're, they're older, 33 and 24. 
Um, and, and we can talk about more about how the kids reacted to the, to the divorce, but really over time, um, we just were different people. I just wanted different things. She wanted different things. And I'll be very honest. Um, for me, what I realized over time is it's not just communication, but it's comprehension. that's so important because what I really, what, what happened to me is that we stopped, we stopped really comprehending what each other's were saying. And we were just having these conversations that were getting us nowhere. So I w it was about a year before I actually got divorced that um, it was, it was Labor Day weekend. We were supposed to go to a family wedding and I came home from work um, on a Friday night. We were supposed to leave that night actually to go to this wedding. And I came home and I said, you know what? I can't go. I'm in a really bad place. I don't want to do this. I literally packed a bag. I put some clothes into my car and I just drove away. And um, I, I, I live here in Connecticut. I went up to Rhode Island, not really having a plan. I just kind of got in the car and headed up 95, ended up in Rhode Island uh, um, at a beach called Watch Hill. And I literally spent a weekend on the beach just really crying and just really evaluating my life and formulating a plan of how I wanted to move my life forward. And at the time I was 59 and I knew that I couldn't keep going the way I was. And so I formulated a plan and came home and sat down with my, with my former and said, I can't do this anymore. And that's when we really started moving, you know, the, putting the pieces in place to move forward with our life. And it was very difficult at the time, but, um, you know, unfortunately it really worked out to be a, a better decision for me. So Warren, uh, you know, how long before you went on this road trip to Rhode Island, had you been thinking about going, getting divorced? I know you were, it seems like you were unhappy for a while, but yeah. Now, so here's the reality, thinking? right? So the reality is that uh, my younger son had really bad anxiety. Um, he has still has ADHD that he's on medication for. But I really stayed in the marriage for 10 years, more than I should have, simply because I knew that at the state my son was in, he would not be able to handle the divorce. You know, he was he, just getting him through life was, was hard enough. If I had tried to introduce divorce, I, I knew he wouldn't handle that well. And so I really waited until I felt that he was at a point where he could accept it and move forward. Of, of all the decisions I made, I think that was the best one. As hard as it was for me to stay there another 10 years, the outcome was it was, I think, the right thing for him. So as he started to come along, I felt more and more comfortable about it. But I really needed that weekend away to really come to terms with what I was about to do. I mean, 30 years, obviously, is a very long time, and you've put your, you know, your heart and soul in, into that relationship and to have it end like that, you know, you, you really you really have to be confident in that decision. And, you know, what I tell a lot of people that are going through it is that no one can tell you when you're ready to get divorced. I mean, it has to come from within. You have to, in your mind and your heart, say, I, I'm there. I'm ready to do this. And I talk to people all the time that say, tell me it's okay. And I say, I can't tell you it's okay. You have to tell you it's okay. I can give you my experiences. I can give you some guidance. But until you know in your heart and your mind that you're ready, you're never really ready. And for me, that weekend away just validated what I was about to do. Well, you know, Warren, I've been divorcing people for 20 years, and I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to someone, and that's the question they ask. They would ask me as an attorney is, should I get divorced? 
Um, and it's that just people need that permission sometimes yeah. to, us to go forward. Because I always feel like if you've asked the question, you already know the answer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really hard. So you said for 10 years, you really needed to get divorced, but you delayed it because of your son, which is not uncommon. A lot of people wait until their kids are out of college and not necessarily for reasons that you just said about your son. But I want to go back like 10 years back. What had gone on in your marriage in this 10 years when you were unhappy but staying in your marriage? Did you guys have a functional marriage? Were you roommates? Like, what was going on during this 10-year period? Yeah, you know, we we really were roommates. Um, we were just so different people. She has, uh, she had and still has some medical issues, um, and they really impacted us. Um, there were times where she couldn't get out of bed. We would miss family holidays. We would miss parties. We actually lost a lot of friends because at the last minute we'd have to cancel from things that, that were, we were invited to. And we were just different. I mean, even parenting, and this is really where I talk to people a lot about is before you get married, before you have kids, you really un need to understand how are you going to raise your kids? You know, um, she was Catholic. I'm Jewish. We really never talked about how we we're really going to raise our kids from a religious perspective. We really never talked about discipline, how are you going to discipline our kids? And so when we had our kids, I had one very, very strong set of, of opinions on how I want to raise my kids. And she had a very different opinion. And it really, really impacted us. I come from a very close knit, tight knit family. Hers was not. And so it was it was there was so much back and forth. Um, it was so contentious that those 10 years were really hard. And the last four years were, were the worst, Karen, without a doubt. The, the last four years were, I didn't want to be in the house. Um, I was working at a job that I absolutely hated. It was like 90 hour a week job. And so I had really no downtime because I worked this terrible job that I hated. And then my weekends were spent in a place I didn't want to be. And so I just got to that point. It just you know culminated in, in me making this decision. But um, yeah, the last 10 years were, were really, really difficult. Well, so you said the last four years were really bad and you had stayed married for your son. So how did that last four years of it being really bad and you not being the best version of yourself, do you think that had an impact on your kids that maybe you should have started this earlier? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, hindsight, obviously. Yes. And, and I will tell you, John, that the, you know, I really tried to lay out everything I needed to do from a divorce perspective, financially, and you know everything that I needed to do. I thought I had it all laid out, and the biggest miscalculation I made was how are my kids going to take the news? I mean, they saw it wasn't like they were nine and ten, right? They were at the time they were like, you know, twenty nine and, and twenty, and so when we sat down and told them we were getting divorced. I really thought that they would have seen in their lives how things were and what I did for them versus what my former did. And they were absolutely devastated. And my younger son still lives with me. My older son uh, works and lives in New York City. But our, our relationship was absolute shambles. I mean, it, it went from being this really tight father-son relationship to absolutely nothing in a five-minute conversation. And so... I've spent the last three and a half years trying to build back the relationship with my kids. And so one of the things I will tell people is that um, don't underestimate 
how your kids are going to handle the divorce. You may think that they get it and that you may think that they're going to be okay with it. The reality is they're not. And, and you know, they no no child wants to be part of that situation. And, and my kids are, are no you know, different from that. So that's really been a, of, of all the good that's come of the divorce and, and sad to say that there's good that it, that comes from a divorce, but um that was the hardest part. And, I, and I've spent those three and a half years trying to rebuild those relationships. And, and that's really uh, as good as it is. That's as tough as it's been. Now, is it just because you, you know, quote, broke up the family? I mean, is it as simple as that? Or what, what is it they were so bent? Yeah. What was so, why were they so upset about this? So I think because my former has so many medical issues, they felt that the burden is now on them. To, to take care of mom. You know, it's not like she was self-sufficient. She had a good job. You know, she, she was fully functional from a, a social perspective. There are a lot of issues there. And, and so I think they really felt that now they have to take care of mom. You know, they want to live their life, but now they really can't. And so I think they were just really upset with me for leaving them in charge of her. Now, I will tell you that as as non-functional as she was for so many years, she is now a completely different person. She has a great social life. She's dating. She has a great job that she never, you know. So people say, oh, my God, you got divorced. Look what you did to her. Well, if you look back three and a half years to from where she was to where she is now, she's doing great. So you know what? No, the outcome is that it changed who she was as well. And she's living a better life. No one wants to admit that, you know, this worked out to be a positive thing. But for her, I think it's absolutely a positive thing. Well, yeah, I mean, if you were miserable, she was not happy. I mean, that's, oh, she was, she was, as she was as miserable as I, but didn't want to admit it because she didn't want to be alone. And so she was willing to just stick it out because she didn't have to worry about anything. And, and, you know, I kind of forced the hand, but I forced her hand in a very positive way because the person she is today is definitely not the person she was three and a half years ago. And, and I feel better about that. Seeing her happy, seeing her thriving, seeing her not being as sick as she was anymore. I mean, th there's good in, in that. Did you have any fear about change when you were initiating the divorce? I mean, you just referenced, you know, being alone. That's something a lot of people have a fear about yeah. moving out of the house that you've been in you know, for many, many years, did you have any of that, those fears as you started down this process? So the interesting thing for me was that, um, you know, I was in, I was in my house for 25 years and I tell people that I had far more bad memories of the house than good memories of the house. So when I walked out the door it was probably one of the happiest days of my life. And people are like, Oh my God, you had to leave your house. Yeah. Cause it's a fresh start. It's a good thing. And I'm looking forward to that challenge. Um, I think the only fear I had in that whole process was how I was going to rebuild the relationship with my kids because it was so badly damaged. I wasn't sure how I was going to even approach that. So that was my biggest fear was not anything else. It wasn't about being alone. Um, I, I And I will tell you, I moved quickly into a new relationship because I, I needed a partner. What I was really looking for um, moving forward was someone who I can have as a partner in life in general. And I happened to find that person and we've been together for three years now. And it, it's, it's a whole different experience. And I will tell you that in rebuilding relationship with my kids, now I had to introduce this new person. So if it wasn't bad enough, 
now they see this new person come into my life and that only made the situation worse. And they're slowly starting to accept her. So things are certainly getting better from where they were, but it was that, that I think was my biggest fear was just trying to get my kids, my relationship with my kids back to where it was. Well, let's talk about your kids for a minute. You said you had a five minute conversation in the end and it went basically to shit. <laughs> so what, it did. what, so what did you say to them? What did they say to you? How did you approach it? Yeah. So, you know, um, so my son was, you know, he, he was in New York. So we, we asked him to come home for the weekend. So I think right off the bat, they knew something was up because I never really asked my, my son to come home. He would tell me when he was able to come home. So it was a Friday night. We sat him down and we said, guys, listen, if things aren't working out, mom and I are getting divorced. And they're like, oh, okay. And they literally got up and went downstairs. You know, my, my son's room was downstairs and they really didn't say much the rest of the week. And I think they were just trying to process it. Um, and it wasn't until a week or two later that uh, I really got the sense of how bad things were with uh, my older son and I. My younger son, you know, I, I really... I think was a mother and father figure for him. So we had a, a different relationship than my older son. Um, but yeah, it was bad. And, and my older son and I didn't talk for a while. And, you know, when he did come home, um, we had this huge blowout. It was like a four hour, just really big blowout. And, and he said to me, honestly, dad, my biggest fear is that I was going to get a call in the middle of the night that mom took her life because, you know, that was one of the, one of the struggles that, that she has from a health perspective. And I said, listen, I have the same fear, but I couldn't let that fear drive, keep me in the marriage, you know, the rest of my life. I, I just, I had to take that chance and see what happened. And I said to him, that would be your mom's decision. If she were to that point, there's really nothing any of us could have done to prevent that. I don't believe because, you know, it, when you have that, that illness, it, sometimes it's out of your control as much as we've done for her, her entire life. And I said, you know what? I have that same fear, but I needed to move on. And you need to, I hope that you can come to understand the decision I made and why I made it. He didn't at first, but as, as he's seeing her change, that's changing his relationship with me because he's getting more comfortable that she's going to be okay and that we did the right things to help her through it. I mean, you know, I was very conscious of, especially during COVID, um, she's diabetic. And so, you know, she's very susceptible. I would go grocery shopping for her every week, drop groceries off at her door. When her car broke down, I gave her my car to you know, help her out. So I went out of my way to show the boys that I didn't walk. I don't hate this woman. I just can't live with this woman is really what the conversation was. And so they started to see that I, I kept giving back. I kept making sure she was okay. Um, and that helped, but I did not to build a relationship with my boys back up. I wanted her to also know that I was there if she needed something. She doesn't like to admit that I'm there to help her, and, and I still get that. Um, but yeah, that, that's been that's really been the focus is just trying to keep everyone civil and moving forward. No, well, it's interesting hearing you say all this because a lot of people when they're starting down this road and they're unhappy, you know, they come up with a million excuses in their head about why they can't get divorced or why they can't move on. And of course, when someone hears your story and they hear that, you know, your kids were, you know, upset with at you for years, one of them more than the other, 
you know, that's some, somebody else is going to hear that as, oh my gosh, that's a reason why I shouldn't do this. But just realizing that like anything in life, any hard decision you make, it's unknown what the result's going to be. It's unknown how people are going to react. Um, right. Some people, some spouses, you tell them you want to be divorced and they say, oh, thank God you said it. I don't, I'm not happy either. <laughs> right. And sometimes, you know, they go and, um, you know, they go in and tell the kids and say, you know, dad's leaving me for that whore. And, you know, and, and, and it, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. But the fact of the matter is, you know, it's the whole adage, control what you can control. And all you can control is how you told the kids, which it sounds like you did it with your wife sitting down on a yep. couch, which is the, obviously the best way to do it. And you've done everything that you thought you could do to rebuild that relationship. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just want people to always remember your happiness. There's a time in your life where you it's OK to be a little selfish. It That's is. Right. It's yeah. OK to be selfish that you want to be happy. And I love hearing that you were looking for a partner. Because that's usually at some point in your life, you want love, you want companionship, you want the physical uh, yeah. relationship, but you just really want a partner. And, you know, especially as you go towards, I mean, uh, you know, once you start getting older and you want to start thinking about what you're going to do after you finish working. Right. You know, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little selfish. I think a lot of guys come at this from the standpoint of, um, especially younger guys with kids, they th think about it like, well... You know, I'm supporting my family. I'm out there doing all these things. This is my responsibility. You know, my happiness be damned. And then they end up being married for 30 years, completely right. miserable. But at that point, you did what a lot of guys don't do, Warren. You made the decision, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to turn the page. Right. A lot of guys, you know, they just sit around and they're like, eh. you know, I've gotten this far. Why, why, why do anything different? Yeah. So, so I guess... For me, I really think I would be helpful if you could just, you know, what what was it three years ago? Because it was three years ago you got divorced, right? Yeah. I mean, what was it that you think triggered you at that moment? Because you said you waited until you thought your son would be okay with it. Yes. Yeah. Was there like a moment? Was there like something that just just a light bulb go off in your head saying, this is the time for me to do this? Yeah, I was, I, I remember it incredibly clearly. I was sitting on the couch. It was a Friday night. I was watching TV. And I will tell you that the last year before I asked for the divorce, um, and this, you know, I, and I, I regret this, but it, it's the reality is um, bourbon was my best friend. Forget, forget real friends. Bourbon was my friend. And, and I was sitting on the couch. It was Friday night, had a bourbon in my hand. And I just said to myself, you know what, you're going to die a really miserable person if you don't fix your own life. And the only way you're going to fix your life is to end your, your marriage. And I literally put my drink down. I stood up. My kids weren't home. Here's the interesting thing. My kids weren't even home. They were out with their friends. My wife was in our bed. Well, basically at that time, her bedroom. I walked in, I closed the bedroom door and I said, I'm done. I, I'm sorry. I just can't do this anymore. And she said, what do you mean you're done? And I said, no, really, we're done. Um, we need to get divorced because I can't live this way anymore. And she just had this glassy-eyed stare. Like it, she almost didn't want to hear what I was saying to her. And then it just came into this conversation. And the interesting thing was it wasn't even a contentious conversation. It was just like, me telling her all the things that had gone wrong for so long. And she sat up in bed and she said, Oh my God, this is really my fault. And I said, it's not 
your fault. It's it's we are just different people at a different point in our lives. And we both need to move forward and be happy. And so let's just do that. And, and we did. And um, we didn't say anything to the boys for a couple of weeks because we wanted to work things out excuse me, internally. And then we had the conversation with the kids and we moved on. But yeah, to your point, John, I was just sitting on a couch and it, it I just got to the point that I can't do this anymore. So when you said you two were working things out before you talked to the children, are you talking about, you guys were talking about the divorce settlement or you, yeah. what were you talking about? Yeah, we were, we were talking about, you know, what are we going to do with the house and, and what are you going to do for work? And, you know, how much alimony do you want? And, and I just said to her straight out, listen, you're going to get half of everything. I'm going to give you half of that, you know, half the value of the house and half the value of my 401ks and, I'm not, I don't, I don't even want to fight this. I don't want us to get lawyers. I think we should just get a mediator because we know what assets we have. We know what we can afford to do. Why bear the expense? And so she actually went out and found the mediator and we worked through a mediator and um, four months start to finish, we were done. Um, and, and that day in court was, was really interesting when the judge said, you are now single um, at the very end of the proceedings. And yeah, that that day, my life completely started over. It was it was that those few words, "You're single," um, that moved me forward. It, it was incredible. Do you did you have any issues at all getting her to agree to go to mediation? I know you said she found the mediator, but um, who was the? I guess who was the originator of that idea? Was it you? Yeah, that was all me. I just said, listen, you know, you can you know, we can both get lawyers. Uh, we can spend an incredible amount of money going back and forth. But what you need to realize is every dollar we give to a lawyer is a dollar less you're going to have at the end of the day. And so we can either spend X amount on a mediator. It was a fixed amount. It was super reasonable. Or we can spend an outrageous amount getting two separate lawyers that are, you know, are going to end us in the exact same place. So you tell me what you want to do. And she I think she talked to some friends and, and they said, yeah, if you can do it, go through mediation, then absolutely do it. And we literally went to the courthouse together and submitted our papers and we worked through the mediator. And, and you know, I talked to people all the time and said, oh, my God, we've been going through this for years. And I said, yeah, you could literally go through years and have nothing left at the end of it. Or you could be reasonable and just do what I did and be done in four months. And that's, so that's how that played out for me. I feel like this last minute of what you were just saying should be turned into a clip and given to everyone that's starting a divorce because it's so true. I mean, there's very few people that should not be in mediation. Very few. I mean, obviously, if there's some kind of domestic violence situation or sure. something, that's different. But if the two of you can sit and talk and be reasonable, even if you're mad at each other, you know, even if you're upset, the marriage is ending because people yep. are entitled to be upset. It's still so much better. It's just so much better. Um, because people, the people think that the way to get divorced is you go, you know, hire an attorney and start this process and pay a big retainer because that's what they've been told. Oh. I call it the big lie in divorce. That's what they've been told. But that's what the, you know, that's what the divorce industry wants people to, re, you know, to yeah. think is the right way. So I love how you talked about mediation because what you just said, practically everyone listening to this podcast can do their divorce the same way. Yeah. It's, I mean, you aren't unique. Sorry to tell you, Warren. You're not <laughs> like, like what your divorce, what you guys went through is perfectly fine. And I think what one thing that um, happened with your wife, your ex-wife is very important, which is that you gave her the time 
to think about this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing. If you, you know, people tend to pressure, you know, they hear, right. well, I want to do mediation, but then they tend to pressure their spouse as opposed to being like, okay, why don't you go talk to an attorney and ask them if this is a good process? Right. Why don't you go ask your friends, ask someone who was married that spent, you know, gobs of money. I mean, gobs of money. I mean, yeah. Warren, in New Jersey, the average divorce costs about $15,000 per yeah. person. Per person, $30,000, or I don't know how much your mediation was, but most mediation programs are less than $5,000 from beginning to end. I was going to say, yeah, mine was $3,000. And and I literally said to her, I said, let's put it on paper because my sister spent about $12,000 on her divorce. I said, listen, you can spend $12,000 or you can spend three. Where's that? You know, that $9,000 can be yours. So why would you do that? I mean, we, we know exactly what we have. This is not a complicated thing. There's not millions of dollars and four houses and three boats that we have to split up here. We know what we have. Let's just do this. And it worked out really well. Well, even if you had all that, you could still do mediation. I mean, I think I think a lot of it's a trust issue. Mm -hmm. And that's where people don't go down that right road is, you know, particularly if there was infidelity or some trust issue kind of behind the scenes. Right. uh, That kind of can destroy things. But most people should proceed exactly this way. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to ask you how you got divorced. So okay, so we got you. We know why why you got divorced. We know how you got divorced. So let's talk a little bit about your post-divorce life, Warren. So I know you Great. got into a relationship with someone that um, pretty quickly. You said, "Yep." We, um, I assume you're still with, right? I am. Yes. Awesome. Um, are you thinking about getting married again, or what are your thoughts on remarriage? <laughs> So, um, yeah, we, we are engaged. We got engaged uh, last October. Um, so marriage is, we'll see how that all kind of plays out right now. Um, and again, for me, it's making, it's getting everyone on the same playing field. And, you know, what I told my boys early on was, I don't need you to like her. But what I need you to do is be respectful to her because you may never, ever like her. And I understand that, but I will not tolerate you being disrespectful to her. And in the beginning, it was very difficult for them not to be disrespectful to her because they had such animosity. Time heals a lot of things. And for the relationship side, they've come to accept her. My younger son, I think, really likes her. My older son is starting to learn to like her. We actually, um, she she has family in Puerto Rico. My older son uh, traveled with us to Puerto Rico for a week, and they got to spend some quality time together. So it's patience. I think the key to everything here through the divorce is, is patience and not rushing things and letting things fall into place communication comprehension is critical to to move everyone forward, being honest about things. Um, I said to my kids, listen, don't sugarcoat anything with me. I want to know how you're feeling. It's really important. It's going to be hurtful. And my younger son had a breakdown uh, last year. It was really, really ugly, but I needed him to do that. He needed to do that because he's in a better place now. So um, for me, these, these past three and a half years, you know, COVID actually for me was a good thing because I wasn't really into social media at the time, but I got on Instagram and I started doing live streams and reels and reaching out to people and started the the website. And um, it's just kind of grown organically, but it's very helpful to me to be able to help others. And it, it really, 
I, I would not be where I am today. I, I, I say that every day if I had not gotten divorced. I, am, I have tried new things. I've experimented with new things from a social perspective, from helping people. It's absolutely changed my life. So as difficult as divorce was, for me, it was the best thing that could have happened. Well, that's, I mean, that's great to hear for a lot of, a lot of people that are out there um, that it's not all bad when you get divorced. And I think that that is something, a message that more and more guys that tell their stories, the more and more you'll realize there is life after divorce. Yeah. You know, most, almost everybody, um, once they come out of their shell and hopefully you come out of your shell sooner rather than later, yeah. once people come out of their shell, they realize there's a whole world out there billions of people out there i mean it's not just it wasn't just your marriage um and there's always going to be somebody for you that is probably a better fit for you yep. so obviously you got divorced so you know there was something something that wasn't fitting right with your marriage right so i i think that's great but in terms of your kids how did you introduce them to your uh, fiance um how were the early i mean obviously they were upset at you just because yeah. that wasn't mom Right. Right. But right. How did you introduce them? So <laughs> the first question they said is, how'd you meet her? Right. That was the very first question. I said, plenty of fish. And they said, really, dad, you were on a you were on a dating website. And I said, yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm not a bar guy. Typically, I, I, it's not my thing. And um, I talked to a lot of different people on a bunch of different platforms. And um, she and I just kind of clicked. She lived in the town over from me and it worked out and, and we were together uh, probably six months maybe. Um, and I just said, boys, I, I think, you know, I, I, I would like you to meet her. And so we went to a coffee shop in town and we had breakfast together and to say it was tense and to say it was uncomfortable, um, you know, it was an understatement, but the, but the boys, as I had asked, were very respectful to her. Um, we talked about her son who's about the same age, age as my younger son Maybe we were there maybe an hour um, and then they went on their way and we went on their way. And um, yeah, it, it was, diff it was not a great first meeting. Um, but again, for my younger son, as we did more things together, as she and I spent more time together and it, it invited him to do things with us that got better. And, but, but again, for my older son, it's still, it's still getting comfortable with her. He, he only sees her a couple of times a year and with COVID um, you know, I didn't see him for about a year. So that kind of made things worse that we didn't have that face to face time. But things are, are definitely better today than they were, you know, two years ago. Well, that's good to hear. And you just sort of uh, illustrated something I tell people all the time when they're waiting to get divorced until their kids are out of college. It's a double edged sword. You may think it's easier on them that you're getting divorced, which, by the way, it's not. It's a fallacy that it's yeah. easier. But it makes it actually a lot harder for them to accept a new person in your life. And so it's a double-edged sword. I mean, right. adult kids are notoriously more uh, skittish when it comes to the new uh, girlfriend or boyfriend mm -hmm. than younger kids. I mean, younger kids, they accept them pretty quickly. I mean, it's, um, you know, unless, unless there's alienation going yeah. on on the other <laughs> side, right? Well, that's good. So you took all of this that we've been talking about and you started this living life large um, business. So I want you to tell me a little bit about why you started it and what is it that you're seeking to accomplish by having this? Yeah. So, um, 
I had I originally started uh, a website and a blog called Living Life After Divorce, and it I, I, I it's very helpful to people. I have a lot of people that reach out to me. I do some one on one stuff. I do some group counseling with with folks. But what I started to find on social media was that people in general just need help moving forward. Whatever their life situation is, they're they're struggling and just the way things are right now, it's getting more and more difficult. And so I kind of repurposed living life after divorce to living life inspired. And so that's the new website. That's the new blog. And it really is just to motivate people to live their best life, whether it's through after divorce, whether it's uh, whatever life event they may be having, you know, uh, loss of a job or new job or relationships in general, People every day reach out to me and say, I am so broken. How do I even move forward? I don't even know that I can move forward. And so living life inspired is just that. It's helping people live an inspired life, a motivated life, a happy life. Because, you know, as we talked about, we all deserve to be happy. And that's what really living life inspired is all about is how can I help you be happy? That's a great message. And if you want to check out his websites, living without the G, lifeinspired.com. And I know he's got a lots of free downloads right on that around the homepage. A lot of them are very good, good things that can help you sort of get in the right mindset going forward. And he, you also mentioned your Instagram page, and I loved it. I actually spent a little bit of time last night watching a lot of your reels. Oh. Um, and again, it's the same thing, but just put an underscore between living life and an underscore between life inspired. And you'll find him on Instagram. And all of these handles will be in the show notes. They'll also be, if you're watching this on YouTube, it's on the screen right now. So um, you definitely go check him out. Obviously, you've heard his whole story. It's a great story. It's, it's a very inspirational story. It shows that even though there were some bumps in the road with the kids, um, which was probably the biggest bump of all, yeah. um, he's doing great right now um, and ready to start the next... Uh, next chapter of his life. By the way, what is your day job? Oh, um, yep. So I am a uh, IT project manager for Save the Children. Awesome. Yeah. So my role is actually um, building new schools in rural parts of the of, of the country. So um, very, very fulfilling job. Uh, I love it. And, and you know, it kind of ties in with, with living life inspired and just helping people move forward. Oh, that's great. Now, are you... Are you seeking to maybe help people move forward full time at some point? Or? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is absolutely as as things progress and as the website grows and, you know, yeah, absolutely. That, that would be, you know, there's there's work and then there's your passion and your purpose. Right. And living life inspired is both the passion and the purpose. So that's that is the intention. Well, you don't have to tell me, Warren. I was a divorce attorney for 20 years and hung that hat up because that is um, horrible work. It's just horrible work because you see people at their worst. It's not very inspiring. And people really need it really, to be honest with you, a lot of people just need mindset adjustment. And once they get that mindset adjustment, they can live life inspired. They can. And and again, you know, I started this journey at 59 and, uh, so that's my other message to people. It's never, ever too late. So don't think because you're at a certain age, you can't do something. You can't change your life. You absolutely can change your life. 
Absolutely. Now, if people are more interested in you, I gave your website and your Instagram handle, but if people are interested in contacting you and talking to you a little bit more, how would they do that? Yep. They can simply email me at warren at livinglifeinspired.com. Uh, and on both my Instagram and TikTok pages and on the website is my phone number. They can give me a call or a text. Happy to talk. Well, wonderful. Well, this was a great conversation, Warren, and I really encourage all of you who are listening and watching, go check out Warren's page. Like I said, his Instagram page has a lot of great quotes, a lot of great videos, and uh, you will certainly be inspired by going to look at it. So thank you so much for being here today, Warren. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right. We'll see everyone next time. Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time.